1: Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. Now, as you're probably aware, with lockdown coming to an end, cinemas are starting to reopen in the UK. And one of the movies that's due to be coming to a theatre near you soon is Blackwater Abyss, the horror thriller sequel which combines the fear of being trapped in a cave with the fear of being eaten by a crocodile. Now, I haven't done a top 10 list here at Kermodon Film for quite a while. I did think about doing a list of top 10 claustrophobic movies, but inspired by the killer crocodile theme of Blackwater Abyss, I decided instead to do something a little bit different. So here is my list of 10 movies, some great, some terrible, all of which revolve around the idea that nature is full of scary beasts. So, this cave... This thing is unexplored. The sharp. He goes way down. Ready? Let's see at the bottom. What do you reckon? Let's check it out.
0: <laughs> what I tell you? This is incredible, huh? Hey. What the
1: hell is that? So let's get things rolling with number 10, and at number 10, Bug. No, not the rather brilliant William Friedkin psychological thriller adapted from Tracy Lett's stage play Bug. No, the 1975 disaster horror movie Bug, which was both a horror movie and a disaster. This is the movie that attempted to scare its audience with cockroaches. The story is that an earthquake releases mutant cockroaches from deep down in the bowels of the earth. And these have the ability to create sparks through rubbing bits of their anatomy together. And these sparks can cause a number of things to happen, including causing people's hair to catch. At one point in the movie, brilliantly, all the cockroaches conspire to get together on a wall and spell out the words, we live, which is pretty much the most scary moment in the film. The film was actually the last outing from producer William Castle, who was a great um, kind of gimmick pioneer. William Castle had famously been the man behind the tingler, which was uh, released in Percepto, which was a a special system whereby individual seats in the audience were wired up with devices that would deliver a little physical shock to the person sitting in the seat and at the beginning we we hear William Castle explaining that if you get the tingle of the tingler, then you have to scream to release the terror. Some years later, I was organising a retrospective of horror movies at the BFI Southbank I think back then it was still called the NFT and I said, look, let's do that. You know, let's recreate that William Castle experience. Let's let's wire up the seats and give some of the audience a thrill. And the BFI said, you can't do that. And I said, why not? And they said, you're not allowed to electrocute the audience. I said, I don't want to electrocute them. I just want to give them a bit of a thrill. But it never happened. (laughs) As for Bug, it sounds like a completely daft idea. It is, in fact, based on a novel with a much better and more imposing title of The Hephaestus Plague. Um, Notable, mainly for the fact that some of the sets that are used in the creation of Bug, which is a William Castle movie, therefore everything was kind of cut price, uh, the sets actually came from The Brady Bunch, the TV series, which, if I remember rightly, was a lot more scary than the electric cockroaches of Bug.
0: It was a day like any other. The air hung heavy with the heat. Then it happened. A crack in the land that reached to the very bowels of the earth itself, spitting out the fires of hell. And the gleaming black bug that had no eyes and looked like a rock. It traveled in the exhaust pipes of cars, making fire, killing, and infesting the land with a burning terror. Wherever you turned, the bug was waiting, ready to grasp you in its soul-chilling grip of terror to push you beyond human endurance and leave you in a state of blood-boiling fear that will drag you to the brink of your sanity. One man was determined to learn its secrets, to discover how it grew and what it needed to survive. The Parmiteras will eat only raw meat, any kind. At first, it ate only ashes, but now it needed meat, and it would get that meat from whatever source it could. (laughs) It was a creature from hell, and nothing could stop it. The bug lives. The bug grows.
1: So, on to number nine in my list of creatures the movie's tried to make you scared of, and at number nine, Orca, a.k.a. Orca the Killer Whale. And, no, I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking exactly the same thing. Doesn't matter how you dress it up, I'm not scared of whales. Sharks, yes. Whales, not so much. Even if you do describe it, as a killer whale. The plot of this 1977 Dino De Laurentiis clunker revolves around the idea that the whale is the only species other than man that seeks revenge. Now, clearly, this is something that no one told the makers of Jaws, the revenge. I need a couple of boats fast and somebody who can kill a shark. Also, no one told the makers of Orca that you can't use the word Orca in a film about a killer whale, because whenever anyone hears the word Orca, they just think of the boat from Jaws and wonder why they're not watching that movie. Because, hey, they are scared of sharks, but whales, hmm, not so much. Released just two years after Steven Spielberg's hit, this sank like a stone, despite the presence of star names Richard Harris, Charlotte Rampling and Bo Derek. Look, the thing is this. If I want to watch a Jaws rip-off, I'll watch Joe Dante's Piranha, which was written by John Sayles, produced by Roger Corman, cost not a penny and had, crucially, a sense of humour. Something which cannot be said of Orca.
0: The ancient Romans called him Orca or Orcinus. Latin or bringer of death. He is without challenge the most powerful animal on the globe, the killer whale. Orca has 48 teeth, set in two impressive rows. In some respects, the Orca's intelligence may be even superior to man's. They remain loyal to one mate for life. As parents, they are exemplary, better than many human beings. And like human
1: beings, they have a profound instinct for vengeance. <laughs> On to number 8, and at 8, The Swarm. Bees may have killed Macaulay Culkin in 1994's My Girl, but they were buzzing up a storm decades before in this 70s disaster movie, directed by Irwin Allen, who had previously been the man behind such hits as The Poseidon Adventure and The Towering Inferno, both of which were mainstays of my youth. Film features an all-star cast headed up by Michael Caine, who would go on to star in Jaws The Revenge. What are you doing? I'm
0: practising landing. Hang
1: on to your socks, lads. Hey, wait a minute, man. You sure you know how to do this? Of course not. What kind of pilot do you think I am? The Swarm is actually based on a novel by Arthur Herzog. I think it would have been improved if it was based on a novel by Werner Herzog, but sadly, it was Arthur who did the honours this time.
0: Of course there's a lot of misery, but it is the same misery that is all around us.
1: Apparently, somewhere between 15 and 22 million bees were employed in the making of The Swarm, and Michael Caine remembers that most of them spent most of their time pooing on the cast, which is unsurprising since several of them had had their stings forcibly removed prior to filming. The Sunday Times called The Swarm the worst film ever made, although it's actually nothing like as bad as Jaws The Revenge, about which Michael Caine famously said, I've never seen the film. I hear it's terrible, but I have seen the house that it paid for and it's lovely.
0: Not since the 30s, when families by the thousands fled the Oklahoma Dust Bowl, has a thriving American community had to be totally evacuated, until today. Its size is immeasurable. Its power is limitless. Its enemy is man. The war that I've always talked about has finally started. Mile by mile, city by city, moves, leaving in its wake a path of destruction. say crane when are we gonna stop this massacre irwin allen's the swarm it is more than speculation it is a prediction the swarm is
1: coming at number seven there's something of a surprise entry in our scary film animals catalog the goat or more precisely, the goat boy hybrid. The film is Revenge of Billy the Kid, which was advertised as Britain's answer to The Evil Dead, which is kind of like saying that Carry On at Your Convenience is Britain's answer to Some Like It Hot.
0: Pretty slender this pedestal, isn't it? Mm. It's streamlined. What for? Wind resistance. <laughs>
1: the film is set on the McDonald family farm on an island off the coast of Cornwall, and local locations include Mousel Harbour, although. Unlike Mark Jenkins' recent masterpiece, Bait, Cornwall has not been making a song and dance about Revenge of Billy the Kid. In fact, I get the impression that they would rather you forgot it existed altogether. And, to be honest, that's not entirely surprising. The plot is set in motion when horny farmer Giles impregnates his goat, thereby spawning the goat-boy hybrid of the title. Yep, it's that kind of film. It's a comedy horror with the emphasis on the eww... The film was a labour of love for its creators who strove for three years to raise the finance to make the movie from a number of sources. According to a report in Empire magazine, one of those was a Grimsby businessman who was contacted through the pages of Private Eye magazine. The film has been hailed in some circles as a kind of cult classic, a rival to Plan 9 from Outer Space for the So Bad It's Brilliant title, but the fact of the matter is it doesn't have any of the strange charm of the Ed Wood movies. I remember it being made. I remember several Invitations for every journalist I knew to go down and visit the set. Yet somehow, it's a film that it's funnier to talk about than actually watch. In fact, if you want to find a genuinely scary goat in a movie, don't go looking for a goat-boy hybrid. Look for an actual goat, specifically Black Phillip in The Witch. Now that is a scary goat. My,
0: my, you're a pretty one. How was it for you then? That one night. No! Give him birth! Billy drops in on the family. He's a freak! A mutant! Oh, well. Now he's on the loose. And he's out for revenge. He's out there, he's hungry, and he's nowhere to stay. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, He's killing our livestock. And now he's killing the McDonald family. (coughs) And there's only one person who can save them. I've come to trouble. Just my girl. The revenge of Billy the Kid for animal lovers
1: everywhere. At number six, strays. Now, some of us have enough trouble by the idea of being frightened by a dog in the Stephen King adaptation Cujo, but when it comes to cats, it's even harder to take them seriously as merchants of fear. Exhibit one, this 1991 TV movie about a lawyer from Chicago who moves into a remote house with his wife where the couple are terrorized, and believe me, I use that word with huge inverted commas, by cats. Now, it's not just strays that's tried to make cats scary. Cats have actually featured in a number of allegedly fearsome films, most notably Lucio Fulci's horror The Black Cat, loosely based on the Edgar Allan Poe story, which also inspired a section of Roger Corman's Tales of Terror, and the Romero half of Argento and Romero's Two Evil Eyes. All these films suffer from the same essential problem. Cats are just not scary. Unless, of course, you're talking about the cats of cats, Tom Hooper's fantastically ill-judged, CGI-tastic adaptation of the hit stage musical, which was rightly described as the worst thing to happen to Cats since Dogs. When the first trailer for Tom Hooper's Cats was released, audiences recoiled in horror and revulsion, so much so that Hooper ordered an overhaul of the look of his film – when the film came out, horror and revulsion were replaced with boredom and derision, so much so that Hooper recalled the movie for further special effects work. But even in the updated edition, it still remained a strange mix of the creepy and the catastrophic. Perhaps 1991 Strays wasn't such a bad movie after all. The Jarretts have finally found their dream house.
0: Well, it does have a certain charm in an Amityville kind of way. Now, it's about to become their worst nightmare. You know, what you found in your bedroom sounds like a dominant male marking his territory.
1: So what are you telling us? We have a wildcat
0: living in our backyard? They've been around people all their lives, so uh, they're not afraid at all. they have nine lives we only have one kathleen quinlan timothy busfield claudia christian and william boyette strays
1: So, we're halfway through our list of scary movie animals, because we've reached number five. And at five, if you think cats aren't scary, then try Rabbits. In particular, The Rabbits of Night of the Lepus*, A title which, you might notice, is trying to hide the fact that this is a horror movie about rabbits. In fact, the film was originally entitled Rabbits, being based on a 1964 source novel called The Year of the Angry Rabbit. Now MGM specifically changed that title to Night of the Lepers because they figured out pretty early on that no one was going to be scared by a horror movie about rabbits, and boy, were they right. The cast includes Janet Lee and Star Trek's DeForest Kelly, along with a bunch of rabbits. The tagline asks, how many eyes does horror have? How many times will terror strike? But never once used the word rabbits. The special effects were a mixture of real-life floppy bunnies crawling over models specially built for the film and, for the close-combat sequences, actors dressed as rabbits. Actually, if you want to find a scary rabbit in the movies, you have to look no further than Monty Python and the Holy Grail and the killer rabbit of Kerbernog, a.k.a. the legendary black beast of... Arr. Right.
0: Keep me covered. What well, with just keep me covered. Too late. What? There is. Where? There. What, behind the rabbit? It is the rabbit.
1: Approaching the beast's lair, the seer Tim warns Arthur in his nights that death awaits you all with nasty, big, pointy teeth. It may be only a rabbit, but it has a vicious streak a mile wide and promptly decapitates Terry Gilliam. In fact... It's so fearsome that it can only be bested by turning to the holy hand grenade of Antioch. As for Night of the Lepus, it's neither as funny nor as scary as Monty Python and the Holy Grail.
0: What happened that night science made its greatest mistake? What unknown terror was born that night? What is the terrifying mutant That strikes from behind the shroud of night That night That night of the Lepus
1: at number four, we strike a slightly more serious note with The Grey, a.k.a. Liam Neeson, wolf puncher. Neeson is terrific as the marksman who understands the call of the wild in what is essentially *La Samurai in snow boots, with a hint of Jim Jarmusch's underrated dead man thrown in for good measure. The nihilistic narrative from Ian Mackenzie jeffers short story Ghost Walker worries away at a group of stranded characters whose underlying weaknesses, greed, dishonesty, cowardice, allow them to be picked off by a form of natural wolfy selection that is red in tooth and claw. Now, we know from the beginning that Neeson's Otway will outlast most of the supporting cast, and also that his personal demons, a haunting memory of a lost love in particular, will play a key role in deciding the outcome of this impressively downbeat Dance with Wolves. Yet, positioned in a chilly netherland, somewhere between a boy's own yarn and a quasi-Nietzschean tract, the grey actually manages to juggle morbid metaphysics with well-orchestrated battle scenes and borderline supernatural suspense to surprisingly gripping effect. Claude, it's a due to co-writer and director Joe Carnahan, who really pulls it out of the hat with The Grey, making this, for my money, the best scary wolf movie since the days of an American werewolf in London. At number four, it's a thumbs up for The Grey. So, we're into the top three in my list of creatures that gave us the creeps on the screen, and at number three, the 1954 classic Them. Them was pretty much the first of that cycle of movies in which nuclear weapons create giant bugs. Here, irradiated ants grow to giant size in the New Mexico desert before descending upon heavily populated LA and wreaking havoc. Them was originally envisaged as a full-color 3D feature, but it's actually one of the best-looking black-and-white 2D features of its time. Not least because the giant ants, which were constructed and operated by unseen technicians supervised by Ralph Ayers, actually still hold up pretty well to this day. Just goes to show that mechanical effects really do age better than digital effects. You think it's easy to make ants look scary? Well, think again. Why not check out the 1974 Empire of the Ants, in which creepy crawlies attack Joan Collins with ridiculous results? Also, while we're on the subject of ants, do you remember the poster for the Saul Bass 1974 Hive Mind Weirdy Phase 4, which had an image of a hand with an ant crawling out of a hole in the palm? The film itself is okay, not very well received, But that poster gave me nightmares for years.
0: By direction of the President of the United States, stay in your homes, I repeat. Stay in your homes. Your personal safety, the safety of the entire city, depends upon your full cooperation with the military authorities. Yes, cities, nations, even civilization itself, threatened with annihilation because in one moment of history-making violence... Nature, mad, rampant, wrought its most awesome creation, for born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible, so terrifying, so hideous, there is no word to describe them.
1: On to number two now in my list of scary cinematic beasts and where to find them, and at number two, it's Black Sheep the 2006 New Zealand comedy horror in which genetically modified sheep turn from grass munchers to flesh eaters, with surprisingly entertaining and occasionally slightly scary results. The film is riotously good fun, with special effects handled by Weta Workshop, who've proved such a crucial part of Peter Jackson's stellar successes. Written and directed by Jonathan King... No, not that one, the other one. Black Sheep was introduced to me by my friend and colleague, Nigel Floyd, who raved about it in the pages of Time Out magazine. Nigel wrote that it was a treat for horror comedy fans, a mutant killer sheep movie as lively as a spring lamb, as bloody as a bucket full of offal, and as tongue-in-cheek as its original poster tagline promised. That tagline being, there are 40 million sheep in New Zealand and they're pissed off. Other great taglines for Black Sheep included Get the flock out of here And my favourite, it's violence of the lambs The best thing about the movie is that it isn't nasty It's funny, it's bloody But at no point does it seem mean-spirited or cheap In fact, it is As Nigel went on to say, one of the few films that you could rightly compare to an American werewolf in London. It's a terrific movie, and if you haven't seen it, and bear in mind, too few people have, check it out immediately. At number two, it's Black Sheep. Miles
0: from civilization.
1: I have a dream for the future.
0: A secret experiment has given birth. to a new breed of fear.
1: Bloody animals.
0: Oh my lord! There's
1: something wrong with the sheep. They attacked us.
0: Oh nonsense!
1: And so we've reached the top spot. Number one in my list of ten creatures you didn't know you were frightened of until the movies told you to be afraid, be very afraid. And at number one, it's time to be scared about a pig in Razorback, the Australian tale of a giant boar devouring victims in the outback. Razorback was directed by Russell Mulcahy, he of Highlander and Duran Duran videos fame, and he hits a feature debut home run. It really is a terrific movie. Exciting, adventurous, engrossing, and occasionally scary. The special effects are really, really well done. Bob McCarran designed six animatronic bores for use in the movie and they're seamlessly interwoven with the action. Razorback was so good that despite the fact that it was a fairly cheap film, it went on to be something of an international hit, dubbed Jaws on Trotters by certain critics, which is a good line, but not as good as the Jaws with Claws line used for The Ghost and the Darkness, which pitted Michael Douglas and Val Kilmer against Killer Lion's and which was rubbish. Because the really interesting thing about Razorback is that like Night of the Lepus, it has a title which attempts to conceal the true nature of the terror. You don't look at the title Razorback and think I know exactly what that movie is. The difference is that Night of the Lepus is a terrible film about killer rabbits, whereas Razorback is a brilliant film about a killer pig. It's number 1.
0: Now, uh, listen, Bill, you're in the middle of bugger all here, so for Christ's sake, don't go about. We'll never find you. Uh, we'll be back in five or six hours. Gregory Harrison in his first major motion picture, running for his life. <laughs> ah! If you're going to do it, just bloody do it. by Hal McElroy from Australia's hottest new director Russell Mulcahy Razorback He's only got two states to be Dangerous or dead Razorback
1: So there we are, my very personal and totally random list of scary and often not so scary creatures in films. At number 10, the killer cockroaches of Bug. At number 9, dreary killer whales in Orca. Number 8, not the bees, it's the swarm. At number 7, a goat boy hybrid in Revenge of Billy the Kid. At 6, kitty kitty cats in strays number five no one mentioned the rabbits night of the lepus. at number four liam neeson wolf puncher in the gray at number three the giant ants of them at two black sheep say bar and at number one this little piggy went rogue in razorback now, I'm sure that you have plenty more suggestions of your own. What are the movies that I've overlooked? What are the movies that have really tickled your fancy when it comes to being scared of beasts on screen? Why not let me know? You can get in touch through Twitter. It's either at KermodeMovie or you can go to at KermodeOnFilm. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then why not check out our Patreon page, which has loads of exclusive extra content, including videos. Thanks so much for listening to this Kermode on Film podcast. If you've enjoyed it, tell your friends, Remember to subscribe, stay safe and keep watching the skies.